The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Industry Cloud Trends with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's cloud strategy and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, 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 and if you want to run with the Game Changers, you're in the right place. This is another exciting day for us here at Game Changers Radio. We are debuting another brand new series. Shout out to Matt Small, 1T, 2Ls at SAP for sponsoring this series. Looking forward to great topics. If you're keeping track, today is Wednesday, February 17th, 21.5. It is 12 noon Eastern time. Our topic today is governing in the cloud. Ready for take? off. Have a great show for you, so let me get started. The buzz today, obviously, is government. Consumers and companies aren't the only ones who are embracing the cloud to handle their data and their transactions. Guess what? Government IT managers are just as eager, if not more so, to leverage the cost and management benefits of the cloud and its opportunities to cultivate growth they want to grow. However, there is a caveat. Government is concerned about data vulnerability even more intensely than you and I are and and companies are. Why? Governments have to think about their citizens' privacy and security. Hot button in the press today. And then we have regional and national security interests. I don't have to tell you about what's been in the news. So the big question on the table today is how can governments balance cloud benefits with their security imperatives? We have assembled a great panel for our debut episode and let me get started. I'd like to welcome our first panelist. It's Sean P. McCarthy, Research Director at IDC Government Insights. And Sean has sent me an opening quote from Lori Anderson. We'll find out who she is in a minute. Here's the quote. Technology is the campfire around which we tell our stories. I want to start singing Kumbaya. Welcome, Sean P. McCarthy. How, how are you? Kumbaya. How are you, Sean P. McCarthy? Welcome uh, to the debut of Industry Cloud Twins. How are you? I am doing fine, thank you. Thanks for joining us. So you're kicking off a new series. That's an important role. No pressure, Sean. So tell us <laughs> about this quote. We always start the panels with a quote from a famous or not-so-famous person. So tell me how this quote relates to our topic, and tell us a little bit about Laurie Anderson. Go ahead. Oh, well, uh, Laurie Anderson is a musician that had uh, actually a few um, records that came out in the 80s. She's still practicing. Um, you know, she, uh, she was kind of avant-garde, um, interesting concerts, uh, a lot of interesting lights, things like that. And um, so the reason I liked this quote is that uh, she talks about, you know, technology being the campfire around which we tell our stories. I mean, think of what we have today in social media. 
and how the, uh, the the campfire that is technology kind of leverages that as we all sit around and listen to it. But it's more than that, too. Uh, think of the way government has to outreach to the individual citizens and how there has to be a common platform around which everybody gathers to, to make that happen, and technology obviously provides that. At the same time, uh, all of the collected data tells us, uh, you know, what's happening with trends and what the public sector needs today and uh, what sort of stories are being told from that collected data. And obviously we're talking about safety that is, um, you know, involved in that, uh, that whole community aspect of technology, too. So that's why that kind of uh, jumped out at me. And, um, by the way, uh, Laurie Anderson is married to Lou Reed, too. So you may, uh, you may ah. be more familiar with Lou Reed than with Laurie Larry Anderson. So I'll just I throw that in as an end. am. Well, I don't <laughs> okay. know, Sean. I know if it's encouraging to think that government, we're talking about government and technology in the cloud specifically today, that government is sitting around a campfire. Uh, I know that word is a loaded word when you talk about government, <laughs> but I know we will we will be using that. As, we can use that as one of our themes during the roundtable. Thank you, Sean. Mm-hmm. Great introduction. And let's welcome our second panelist. She's Carmen Kruger. Senior VP and General Manager of the Cloud Line of Business for SAP NS2. And those of you who are uninitiated, as I was, that's SAP National Security and Services. Carmen sent me a three-word quote. It's loosely translated from the Latin. Let me give you the Latin first. Carpe nubis diem. Now, we all know what carpe diem is. The nubis is cloudy. So here's the quote. Carpe nubis diem. Seize the cloudy day. I'm smiling. Carmen Kruger, welcome. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for joining us. Talk to me. Interesting. Who's seizing it and how cloudy is the day, good or bad? Well, there you go. Well, there you go. Well, <laughs> actually, today is relatively sunny, which is good. But I, I think, you know, we try to have some fun with this. Um, you know, this is a poem, uh, this is a, a quote that comes out of a poem around 23 BC. We know that wasn't cloud computing back then. But the idea is the same concept. You have uh, um, the, the, the statement carpe diem means to pluck the day. Take advantage of the opportunities you have today to plan your future. And as, we, as we've heard and we all know, cloud is the future. It is how many governments uh, are uh, hoping to save money and create efficiencies and, in fact, have delivered a lot of policy to mandate that, that move. So uh, as opposed to fearing it and running away from it, I think we should embrace it and carpe nubis diem. I like that. And cloudy is a good thing because we're talking about government in the cloud. Um, exactly. Is this, it, it, Carmen, is there anybody sitting in, in government from your perspective, your, your point of view at, at uh, SAP NS2? I like that. It, it sounds like a NASA branch or something. Uh, is there, it, do you see government sitting around saying, yes, we have to seize the cloud? Is there an imperative? Is there a drive? Are they very aware? Is this just a small group of people in IT and government, or is this something that's a general topic of conversation today? It is a, um, um, a very hot topic of conversation, and I think what government wants to do is the right thing. I think that's across the globe, not just in the United States, which is, again, to improve their service delivery with, uh, with increased efficiencies. But there's a lot of uh, detail that has to be addressed between uh, the, the, the do and the end state. And so I, I think that's really where the discussion is stemming from, what applications do I feel comfortable putting in the cloud? Um, when do I want to do that? And what governance do I have around the sequencing of that, uh, those events, I should say? So um, definitely phenomenal dialogue uh, around that uh, proverbial campfire um, on, on not just if they want to do, but really more about how do they want to do it. 
Thank you. Good perspective, Carmen. And now I'd like to welcome our third panelist. Rounding out the panel is Liz McGowan. She is the Cloud Strategy Lead for SAP Global Public Services Industry. That's a big business card. And Liz has sent me a very interesting quote from Anthony Doerr, D-O-E-R-R. It's from Four Seasons in Rome on twins, insomnia, and the biggest funeral in the history of the world. We'll have to find out about that. Here's the quote. Just when we think we have a system the system collapses. Just when we know our way around, we get lost. Just when we think we know what's coming next, everything changes. Sounds like the story of my life. Liz McGowan, welcome. How are you today? I'm good, Bonnie. Thank you. Thanks for joining. Talk to me. What's this quote all about? Uh, the, the context to, to the, uh, the quote is in the title of Anthony Doerr's book, um, and, and just for, for people's reference, you might recognize the name. Um, Anthony Doerr has, has a current bestseller called uh, All the Light We Cannot See. Uh, it, it's his latest book. He's one of my favorite writers, and, and I think the, the context here was he was uh, discovering Rome with his wife during the first year of of the twin uh, boys' um, life that he, he and his wife had had. Um, and the backdrop to the year he was there was, was uh, the funeral for, for Pope John Paul. And I think the, the context really resonates for me in, in the job that I have and, and the work that we do, and I think the conversation we're having today, and that um, we're in the midst of a wholesale change in the way consumers, including governments, uh, absorb technology, take on technology. And and I really haven't seen uh, since the push generated by, by Y2K that public sector organizations um, are being asked to challenge their status quo um, and, and sort of change the way they, they look at their, um, their approaches to business uh, process delivery. And, and, and cloud, as, as Carmen and Sean articulated, you know, is really changing the conversation around the table, um, you know, with, with the whole ecosystem. And I think it is engaging uh, the consumer. So we're all consumers of, of the cloud uh, in one way or another, and we start to imagine our own uh, personal data as it relates to our governments. It becomes very personal as well. And, and so I think it is a conversation that everybody needs to be part of, and and I think governments in particular um, need to open themselves to these changes, um, try to stay informed as much as possible, and and also I think as probably we'll see um, that there's no absolute answers available. I think the answers and the, the solutions are going to continue to evolve um, as as we move forward, and we need to stay flexible. And I think that goes back to um, the context of this book, which I highly recommend. Just you need to be open, um, you know, every day to to what's going to be coming um, towards us, and and hopefully collectively we can we can solve some of the challenges that that as we um, indicated, uh, the security you know of the data and process is important to um, to address. Thank you, Liz. Great insights as well as what Sean and Carmen shared with us. Liz, I have a question for you. Is government, when we talk about government, are we talking about local, regional, national, uh, a collective of governments of the top governments of the biggest countries in the world? What, what is our level set? What is our context for this conversation today, Liz? I think we want to address all levels of government. Um, interestingly, uh, I'm based here in, in Canada, in, in Ottawa, and um, the you know Canadian government actually has been very open um, in looking to collaborate with um, you know the community at large to understand the best way to approach um, cloud 
governance. And, you know, they would actually like, I think, in, in a very, um, uh, you know, um, great motivation is to create a pan-government approach that would allow all levels of government to create some standards. Um, and I think that makes it, um, you know, it's a great approach because I think it's going to relieve some of the burden of smaller governments. So when you talk about cities and, and small local governments, um, and in here in the provinces, obviously in the, in the states, it's the states. But you know, if you create some standards in, in terms of the procurement and the contracting and how these rules apply, um, then each government doesn't have to uh, come at it um, on their own from scratch. Um, mm -hmm. And then the vendors themselves and the people supplying the services also can benefit. Um, and, and hopefully we're able to speed up the adoption and gain the benefits as citizens and governments um, if they can do that. So I, I do think all governments are, are looking to address this. Uh, so I think we want to have a conversation about all levels. Thank you very much, Liz. Sean, I'm going to ask you, and then Carmen also, uh, you agree with Liz on wh what, what our context is? What kind of what level of government are you wanting to address today? Sean? Well, um, I tend to work with federal clients the most, but I have a saying when I talk with them is that all data is local. And that means a lot of the data that's collected by the government and eventually percolates up to the federal level is collected at the state and local level, especially the local level. Everything from, you know, your address, your billing permit, or, you know, forms that you've filled out over the years. Because the average citizen mostly interacts with their local government. And then for the federal government, you know, they, they file their taxes. That's their, their, you know, loan interaction with the federal government. Obviously, with businesses, it's a different situation. They have lots of federal regulations they have to comply with, et cetera. So I think we need to take the broad look at, you know, quote, government realizing that there are multiple levels that need to be discussed along the way. And you know, I do want to uh, kind of stress that all data is local in its origin uh, as maybe part of the conversation today. Thank you very much. Carmen Kruger, what your thoughts on what's your context for government, please? I'll split the difference. So I think <laughs> that uh, there is definitively, um, as in, in the United States government, a body of standards that NIST developed that really clarifies and provides some continuity and the controls you need to establish if you want to be a cloud service provider. That's very beneficial. Um, in juxtaposition to that, though, uh, there's also some significant benefit, and, and the policy allows today for government agencies, municipalities, to add to that. And in more particular, this is for the federal market space and Department of Defense. So there's some significant benefit, again, into the insight and input of the agency to allow them to uh, offer up their insight into the data and whether or not that standard is strict enough or too strict uh, for uh, what they need to do. So holding a cloud service provider or the commercial providers to a standard that's too high inflates the cost and therefore reduces the efficiencies associated with moving to the cloud. Um, so I think it's an important balancing act uh, that you have to look at. Um, and remember, pub publicly available data shouldn't be treated the same um, t as, as PII information, as was referenced before, address information or personal information. So um, making sure the policy allows that flex uh, in, in its, uh, in its uh, Im implementation. 
Thank you very much. Guess what? I'm going to give you all a chance to sit back, kick back, and tell me a little personal story because it's time for what's in your cup today or what do you wish you were drinking. I want to put a smile on the face of my three very serious panelists because this is a heavy topic governing in the cloud ready for takeoff. So I'm going to ask Sean P. McCarthy, and we agreed I'm Bonnie D. He's Sean P. because we have a very <laughs> common last name and maybe not so much a common first name, but Sean P. McCarthy. What are you drinking right now or or what are you planning to drink after the show? I'm drinking some sort of peppermint tea concoction. Uh, I find it's useful when you're uh, speaking on the radio, etc. It kind of uh, keeps your, your voice in check. So that's my trick. Okay. And is this uh, a concoction? Do you have uh, mint leaves there, or did you use a, a pre-made tea bag? Is there any brand uh, you'd like to share with us? Come on, you wants what? to know. It, it, <laughs> it's it's just one of those uh, uh, things that you get at the mall. What is the name of that? Uh, Tiva or something like that uh, that you get out of the big bins. So I don't make it myself. Uh, I do like it. And after this, I'm going to be having just a plain old cup of coffee, I think. so. Okay. Thank you very much. Carmen Kruger, where are you right now and what are you drinking or what are you planning to drink after we are done? Well, here in very cold northern Virginia, um, I have mm. a very, I have a very much a prima donna drink here. So it's a double shot espresso um, that I pulled uh, with uh, whole milk and uh, steamed, a lot of foam, and uh, and there's a lot of detail here. But it's um, it's a uh, my favorite Spanish espresso bean, which is a tarrafactado bean, which means it's roasted with a little bit of sugar. So it's a really really nice uh, nice uh, cappuccino I have here. Oh, I like that. That sounds wonderful. <laughs> I like the idea of roasted with a little bit of sugar. That's, uh, yes, you can't help it if it's already in the, in the roast, right? Duh. Okay. You know Absolutely. where I'm going with that. Liz McGowan, what are you drinking and where are you calling from? I'm calling from Ottawa and I'm on my third cup of tea today. Uh, I think like Sean, just uh, trying to, to uh, keep the voice working uh, in what is a very, very cold day here. Uh, Carmen, going to trump you, won't throw numbers at you, but uh, we're having one of the coldest Februarys um, in the last 40 years here in Ottawa, and uh, everybody's job right now is just to keep viruses at base, so um, I think I've got a mixture right now of uh, honey lemon, and uh, I think cup two was peppermint, so there's probably a bit of a mixture of that in there as well. <laughs> Thank you very much. Guess what? They don't let Bonnie have caffeine on radio days, and today is a doubleheader. We just finished our Digital World with Game Changers at 11 o'clock Eastern, and now it's a little after 12, and we're back with Industry Cloud Trends, but I can guarantee I'm going to have a nice cup of very hot coffee right after this show. We are. I'm on the east uh, eastern part of well, just east of New York City on the north shore of Long Island. And we did have about three inches of snow overnight, but it's a gorgeous sunny day. And we're up to a big total of about 16 degrees above zero today. So woohoo for the hot weather. Summer can't be far behind. Guess what? We're talking to Sean P. McCarthy at IDC Government Insights, Carmen Kruger at SAP NS2, that's National Security and Services, and Liz McGowan at SAP Global Public Services Industries. I'm still Bonnie D. Graham, and I plan to be right after the break. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. When we come back, a 30-minute roundtable talking about government in the cloud. Whether you're in government, you're a citizen somewhere, this impacts you. You don't want to miss the conversation. Okay, Brad out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
SAP, co-innovating alongside customers, is taking its industry-specific solutions into the cloud. Join us to learn how to make the world run simpler in the cloud without missing a beat. It's a tall order. Industry Cloud Trends with Game Changers brings together the people who are making it happen. We'll delve into very specific industry challenges and also solutions that run across disparate industries, all to help you succeed in your mission. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how business leaders can shape the future of change. Industry Cloud Trends with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Industry Cloud Trends with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show using Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Industry Cloud Trends with Game Changers. Here we are talking today with Sean P. McCarthy, Carmen Kruger, and Liz McGowan. And our topic is a very timely one, Governing in the Cloud, Ready for Takeoff. Let's kick off the roundtable. We're going to have, let's see, almost 30 minutes nonstop. A lot to cover, a lot of good conversation ahead. Sean P. McCarthy, I'm looking at the notes you sent me before the show, and I find a very, to me, very interesting topic here. I think we'll start with you say, technology presents an opportunity for us to create an actual office of the citizen, where citizens can be involved in many aspects of the governing process while tapping into more of the government services available to them. Where is this happening? Is it real? Is it fiction? Is it coming down the pike? Is it the sequel or the prequel? Talk to me, Sean. Uh, let's call it the prequel. It's an idea that uh, myself and some of my colleagues have been toying with, is that there are new technologies that can really enable your view of what the government is to you, what it means to you, and really what you want to do with it. And it could be anything from you know your view of what the government offers and how you interact with it. Whether that is done via a page that has some sort of, by page, I mean web page with some sort of, you know, modular elements, it's like your view of everything you need to do, how you've interacted, etc. It also can mean uh, input into the governing process, being able to weigh in on proposals, sign petitions, read laws, and comment on them in a logical way so that you're always aware of pending laws that have something to do with you or something that you want to see done. So all of that can be supported with the cloud because there's so many different people out there who are able to create small little applications, small little modules that you can load into specialized web pages and things like that. So, you know, the office of the citizen is kind of a nebulous term. It probably will never be anything official, but I like the concept of it. And I like, you know, once you think of that, think what can be done with it. Very interesting. Carmen Kruger, chime in. Thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think the the great part about the advent of social media in general and its intersection with government is you effectively have an office of the citizen that sits in that, you know, ephemeral world of the cloud. Um, And I think it's it's been a a fascinating thing for me to watch, obviously, uh, crossing the chasm between the vote and maybe a protest sign being the only mechanism to voice your concerns to today where the White House has an official kind of virtual petition signing, um, or you see, you know, politicians today very much interacting at the social media level. So 
uh, you know, t today the Office of the Citizen is an informal, um, dynamic, but very effective, uh, um, you know, capability, and, and certainly for formalization of that uh, would be a very interesting, uh, uh, you know, idea. And Sean, I think that's uh, that would would be be fun to see if that actually ends up happening. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Liz McGowan, Office of the Citizen. Yeah, I think it, it's uh, it's very interesting that the discussion we're having today about cloud and, and you know, the focus back on the citizen. Uh, it, the intersection of that, I think, is another trend that we've been seeing in the past few years that I think will probably accelerate because of uh, because of cloud adoption, and, and that's the idea of open government. Um, and governments around the world have been adopting a policy of, of sharing more, uh, interacting more with citizens, and, and I think the advent of cloud uh, services will, will just increase that uh, capability, and, and I think we've already seen the, the benefits of that in terms of um, informing, collaborating, um, and uh, you know, par increasing participation of, of citizens in, in the activities, any activities of their government. Liz, do you think this is something people are aware of? Are they getting excited about it? Do we need to uh, start tweeting about it? Hey, open for business, office of the citizen, contact your local government. They want to know who you are and what your concerns are, and they're working on apps just for you. How does that happen? Uh, anybody, Liz, Carmen, Sean? Well, I'd offer up a couple things. One is that the mm -hmm. you know four one one and five one one concepts were effectively a, a mechanism in which to get the citizen engaged in in uh, a more direct conversation with government. So I, I do believe, um, and certainly the, the 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 software industry and the system integration world have been very uh, aggressive in uh, campaigns and in, in solutions that are kind of tying that citizen back directly into the government infrastructure. I'd only caution that, and, and it'd be interesting to hear Sean's perspective on this, I'd only caution that offloading data entry or offloading workloads to the citizen may not really prove an outcome that the citizen wants. Uh, unless mm -hmm. there's a reciprocation of faster mm -hmm. service or, or better service. So um, maybe I'll pause there and, and pass the baton to Sean. Yeah. Sean? Well, sure. I, yeah, I, I don't think that, you know, offloading the work is necessarily uh, what I'm trying to get at. And I certainly understand how that could be one iteration of this type of office of the citizen. But I think we've already started to touch on that. I can't remember if it was Carmen or Liz who mentioned the White House petitions. But, you know, that's certainly a, a good starting point for this type of interaction. Obviously, there's some people that have taken it as kind of a joke and, you know, started petitions for all sorts of things. But I think once you remove that, that fun element to it, there is a, a, the germ of some good ideas that still trickle through there. Other things right now, we're, we're kind of limited in how we interact with everyone, but certainly the, the hashtag universe where you can follow things that are of interest to you. And there's several government-oriented hashtags that I follow on on Twitter, uh, you know, just kind of find out who's following and interested in the same things that you are. What are they saying? How are they interacting with it? And that's how you find that common ground to start leveraging um, citizen needs, citizen wants with people in power who can start being the champion for what you're trying to do. So it's still a multi-step process, but I think the tools are there to start easing us into a little bit more formal of a process, uh, maybe it should never be too formal because, you know, once it becomes super rigid, you have to learn how to, you know, manipulate the process to, uh, to get what they want as opposed to what everyone wants to be involved in. 
So I think the, the office, so-called office of the citizen, to me, is always going to be kind of a nebulous place we're trying to get to, but never quite, uh, quite get there. We're always in the process of refining it. Thank you. Sean, I have a question for you. This is Bonnie. You mentioned you have certain governmental hashtags you follow. Would you mind sharing mm-hmm. one or two with us? I'd love to hear them. Well, the, um, the ones that I'm most interested in have to do with government and information technology. So the ones I find most useful on a day-to-day basis are, uh, you know, hashtag GovIT, um, mm-hmm. Gov20. It looks like Gov20, but it's really Gov2.0. I find that one fairly active. Um, OpenGov and DigitalGov. So those are the four that I look at most often, and then sometimes other ones crop up because, you know, something's interesting that particular day. Often, you know, a hashtag for a government conference or something like that. Thank you. Carmen Kruger, do you have any hashtags you follow or any handles for government? Just curious. Uh, no, I'm a remedial uh, uh, hashtag user, <laughs> Twitter user, so they, they're working on me right now. <laughs> I'm glad to hear it's a work in progress. Liz McGowan, not to, not to embarrass you, but are you, uh, are you a hashtag devotee yet? Uh, I'm probably middle of the road between the two. Um, I was... Uh, fairly um, active in the space of open government uh, in some work I did uh, a couple of years ago. So there was definitely a fairly active community. I, I'm not going to remember the hashtags off the top of my head. And, and I'm now just starting to find out um, who the, 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 you know, the active folks are in, in, the, uh, in the cloud and government space. And uh, again, I'm just starting, so I'm not sure I can throw any of the uh, hashtags at you. Well, I appreciate that. And we've got the handle at SAP Public Sector tweeting live here. Thank you. I'm not sure if it's Matt Small, but Matt and I know Mandy Lynn at SAP are both tweeting our panelists' words of wisdom. And Sean P. McCarthy, we have a note here that your favorite government hashtags are GovIT, Gov20, OpenGov, and DigitalGov. So it's been captured for the world to see. Just want you to know. Now, I'm going to put Carmen Kruger on the spot here because we have some interesting stuff in your notes, Carmen. Uh, let's talk about the term, the cloud. We haven't really discussed what we're talking about. Uh, we bandy the term about. We talk about it all the time. And you, you said in your note here to me, when we use the term cloud, it can take on many forms of interpretation. It is amorphous pun intended, critical is to develop a common understanding of cloud. So why don't we just get right down to basics here, Carmen. When we talk about cloud and government in the same sentence or the same breath or the same tweet, what are we likely to be meaning? Why don't you start for us, please? Sure. So uh, I, I think what we have some common definitions that have been established, again, by standards boards within government. Uh, but uh, when when you have a, a, a government entity that's a, a person who's a functional person, they may not understand the nuances of the difference between a public cloud and a private cloud or a, or a community cloud um, or what a hybrid cloud is. And so I think it's very important to be specific about what type of cloud you're talking about because it impacts so materially the way that you would do the deployment um, so policy would, for example, allow certain types of data to sit in a public cloud um, and would maybe prefer other types of data to reside in a private cloud. And if your end customer or your government entity doesn't understand those differences, they could make a decision or make a plan that's just simply flawed. So, um, and I'll finally say that we, we do ourselves no favor, uh, favors with marketing 
because really, at the end of the day, there are hosting providers today that analogize themselves to a cloud, a private cloud, which then um, reverts into a common term, which is called an on-premise cloud, which sort of seems contradictory to the concept. Um, so I, I, I thought it would be uh, an important, I guess, pearl of wisdom in my limited experience that um, that we have honest and open conversations about what the tolerance level is and what the best type of cloud is to achieve the goal. Thank you. Liz McGowan, thoughts on definitions here? Yeah, I absolutely concur with, with Carmen. I think that it is something that governments are um, trying to establish for themselves as it relates to those things that, that Carmen was saying. So uh, where what is the data at rest location? Uh, what is the information confidentiality, confidia, confidentiality rating? Mm. Um, and, and what is the mission criticality of the data? Those are, those are three parameters that... Uh, um, the government of Canada is looking at as it relates to determining where um, the deployment would be. And, and so based on the matrix that you bring together with those three parameters, they're looking at um, a private um, government-wide cloud that potentially even could, could extend um, beyond just the federal government and into, as, as we were talking about before, uh, a pan-government cloud. Um, but then they also identify the need for when you get to uh, some of the mission-critical crit- data, uh, high, high classification in terms of security, they're going to very much be, be looking at um, uh, private clouds, uh, potentially for, for individual departments. Um, so, you know, I think that it isn't a straightforward answer. Um, it really depends on what um, the business process is uh, and, and what the parameters are around the, the, the three um, three items I, I mentioned. So data at rest location, confidentiality, and mission criticality. Thank you. Sean P. McCarthy, you want to chime in here? We've been have, had a lot of things on the table here. Go ahead. Well, it's interesting because data location is starting to become more important than it was even a year or two ago. I mean, we used to say it doesn't matter where things reside in the cloud because, you know, you have an Internet connection, the data can be anywhere. And that's still true to a certain extent, but where it starts to break down is when you're talking about, instead of just big data, let's talk about really big data, huge data sets, things that are crunched for everything from weather patterns to um, intelligence analysis, et cetera, and dealt with by, you know, supercomputers, um, you know, multi-processor, parallel processing, you know, uh, systems that uh, need a, an amazing amount of data. In that case, siphoning all this data as it's needed through the Internet can slow the process. So having data resident close to these types of systems becomes more important. So when you're talking about a cloud type of solution, um, part of the conversation uh, has to be where the data itself is stored how it's accessed, how often it's accessed, and how big the data sets are when it's imported. So it's changed the com- big data has changed the cloud conversation a little bit from the one we were having a year or two ago. So moving quickly, Carmen Kruger, any thoughts on what Sean and Liz just added to that topic? Yeah, they're both spot on, and I'll just offer up that, you know, within the U.S. government, the NIST definitions I think are really interesting starting place for folks um, and, and that's not to be U.S.-centric at all, but, but they did a nice job of at least creating um, 
attributes of what a cloud environment is, and then also describing the types of cloud that, that, that you could deploy in. So I just wanted to point that out uh, uh, to, to, to the audience so that it's an interesting read. Um, you know, I guess for, for those people who like cloud, it's an interesting read. Uh, secondarily, I, I couldn't agree more that data sovereignty is an uh, underpinning of many of the decisions that we make around cloud. Um, and as the policies evolve, whether they be you know, EU-based or whether they be municipal, um, local, locally-based, they, they really impact on the nature in which the cloud offerings will be able to be deployed. Um, so I, I, I couldn't agree more. And, and honest conversations about data help lead you to the right conclusions on the, imp the importance of the type of cloud and where it must reside. Thank you very much. I want to go in a slightly different direction. I'm looking at Liz McGowan's notes uh, Liz sent me before the show, and I want to talk about the growth aspect. Let me read this statement, and then, Liz, you can run with it. Liz says, cloud offers governments a new opportunity to cultivate growth in technology and application providers. Establishing an Establishing an environment that encourages co-innovation locally, that's where I want to go with this, Liz, co-innovation locally will have regional economic benefits and can mitigate some of the risks that are associated with cloud providers outside of a geography. A lot of good points in there to talk about. Liz, why don't you start this, please? Sure. I think the to my point before, it's, it's, it's a new day, if you will, in terms of uh, service provision in the, in the technology world. And so it does open up opportunities um, where we're not just going to move the status quo into the cloud and be done with it. Uh, there's opportunities with, you know, um, new, new startup uh, companies, and we're seeing it already all over the place, where um, as we move into the cloud and, and some of the larger um, solutionaries, if you will, if you want to talk about, you know, finance and procurement, sort of the basic stuff, um, taken up. There's going to be regional requirements. There's going to be um, uh, country-specific requirements. There's just going to be interesting new requirements that we're not going to necessarily be able to provide um, everybody everything day one. And so we're already seeing that um, we've got new investment uh, coming from the technology space. Uh, small small companies are starting up and, and creating uh, niche solutions that are going to fill in the spaces uh, where things are missing and also you know, uh, spaces where there might be some unique requirements within a region or a country or, um, you know, a, a, an angle of a government um, where the the government, it's you know, the, the larger government, if you will, the federal government or the provincial state can actually facilitate that um, with incentives and, and uh, you know, an open approach uh, to, to encourage that kind of investment. And it really does, um, I think, solve a lot of problems in, um, you know, Encouraging the growth of of, an, of a technology environment, um, maintaining some some skills within within country or within a region, um, and, and also um, you know helping governments uh, fill their specific needs they might have uh, that won't be necessarily provided by the cloud services, uh, because that is one of the things that is coming with cloud is a certain amount of simplification and standardization. Uh, that's the benefit you're going to get um, if you're, if you're um, uh, using a cloud provider is that you're going to get something that's got a best practice stamp on it that's going to be updated regularly. Uh, that is one of the benefits, but the downside to that is you may have something very specific you need that won't be provided by that organization, and that's where you can encourage your local investment. 
Thank you, Sean P. McCarthy. What do you see from your vantage point at IDC Government Insights? How do you uh, respond to what Liz just put out for us? Well, the one thing that Liz mentioned, the standardization jumped out at me because that's where you start leveraging the economies of scale in order to make cloud work. And surprisingly, it's a little bit easier to standardize at the local level because think about it, most towns, most counties out there have similar deliverables, you know, duties that they need to provide for their citizens. So one thing I'm seeing is kind of an expansion of what we're calling just, you know, civic portal sites at that level where, uh, you know, you can come in and do everything from, you know, getting your car parking uh, permit to register your dog, pay your local taxes, things like that. Um, it's standardized. It can be hosted in the cloud. It can get these smaller towns out of the business of doing that. Where this doesn't work quite as well as when you're talking about a federal agency that has a unique mission and one that's not easily cookie-cuttered, you know, across the, uh, you know, from agency to agency. Obviously, every agency needs email. Every agency needs some sort of content management, and we're seeing those move to the cloud, you know, fast for a lot of the federal agencies. But, you know, Department of Agriculture has a crop forecasting system. Nobody else does that. You know, things like, mm-hmm. things like that that are unique to the agency mission are less likely to end up in the cloud and more likely to be, you know, the system that you continue to support in-house. So that level of standardization is important. And the federal government also has their primary service area initiative, which is part of the budgeting process. Um, used to be called the line of business initiative, and it's kind of morphed into a way of figuring out what the government is spending its money on um, and, and where the overlap is. You know, is it going into a financial system? Is it going into an HR system? And let's start looking for our commonalities there, even down to the technology aspects. You know, are you using GIS? How are you using it? Uh, let's start tracking our money, you know, where it's being spent on those types of solutions. So they're tracking about 130-some different primary service areas in the government right now, and those are becoming potential standardization areas for cloud for the future. Thank you. Carmen Kruger, join us. Thoughts on this? Sure. So I, I picked up on the term co-innovation. I think it's a, mm-hmm. very, a very important term um, because part of the promise of, of the cloud is to, to increase the, the speed in which innovation can take place. So a couple of observations. I think for government, the technologies that we have available to us change very rapidly. And um, I think that that's an acceleration point now that's also intersecting with the expectations of our citizens on how quickly we're leveraging the newest technologies. So technologies always change. The question is, is your consumer expecting you to have the latest and greatest? So what the cloud can do is facilitate, help government more quickly get to those technologies. As you know, there are budgetary constraints and procurement constraints and how quickly government can do that. So hopefully, as we mature in our use of the cloud, we can accelerate that process. I think the second piece is part of the co-innovation is the ability to use platform as a service so that if there's a requirement for what we call a GOTS application, a um, uh, government-created piece of intellectual property, it could still be based off of a more ubiquitous or more common platform and therefore more portable and more usable across either uh, additional governments or across a, a broader big G government, both municipal and, and federal, so, um, or, or maybe even arguably internationally. So those are the kind of uh, things that I think the cloud can really impact uh, when it comes to innovation 
Um, and, and I would lastly say that certainly um, the cloud is where, uh, in the forms of clouds that are being used today as the, the shared services initiatives are reengaged to Sean's point, uh, at least within the U.S. federal government, and certainly we're seeing that globally. So uh, it, it is a form of cloud that will often be used, whether it's private um, within a government, a shared cloud, or whether it is a cloud service provider on the commercial side that's housing those, uh, those shared government uh, common applications, things like financials, things like HR, things like payroll. Thank you, Carmen. Liz McGowan, this was uh, from your notes. You want to add anything to what Sean or Carmen said? Any comments? Uh, no, I think uh, I think the, the notion that it's um, it's an environment where there is there's opportunity. I think needs to be reinforced uh, a little bit, I guess, um, as opposed to making people hesitant. I think that uh, people should be encouraged that there's there's opportunity for. Um, you know, for, for growth in, in terms of um, technology um, and, you know, I think to, to the other comments, um, growth in terms of the service provision. There's a real turning point, I think, for governments to um, be able to, I guess, throw off some of the, from some of the um, um, challenges they've had in terms of being able to keep up to date and, uh, and, and stay up to date with the expectations that citizens have um, based on the fact that the commer- their commercial interactions um, have a certain type of um, look and feel and speed, uh, government expectations are, are, are going to be able to start to try to catch up and, and meet those um, um, you know, meet those expectations from, from citizens. I think it's, it's, it's a very interesting, exciting time. It is isn't indeed. And uh, speaking of interesting, exciting time, I took a moment here to go to hashtag DigitalGov from Sean P. McCarthy's favorite, top favorite for <laughs> government hashtags. And I'm looking at some interesting articles here, if anybody's interested. One is a news analysis, the president's budget outlines the future of federal IT. That's one story. Here's another one, the top five trends for government IT in 2015. Same person posted. Here's another one. Are you ready for a paperless Government. There's an article linked from New World Systems. Here's another one uh, from Government Summit Topic. Over 75% of UAE United Arab Emirates, I assume, citizens are concerned about privacy and security in digital gov interactions. So a lot of interesting things here. I see some familiar names of people following this. So if anybody's interested to hear, seven key steps to creating communications that are trusted and valued by your audience. Also at hashtag digital gov, G-O-V. So uh, just some interesting, interesting news. Those of you who were uninitiated, about hashtags, it's like a channel. You you know what's on a channel on TV or on radio. This is where you can find topics of a similar interest to people who follow this channel. It's that simple, right, Sean P. McCarthy? Yeah, yeah, it can be. And uh, so I, I'm glad you found that one useful. Yeah, and we always tell people don't just go to the uh, the website for um, you know those types of things. You know, bother to download a client for Twitter. Uh, you can set up you know, ways of monitoring, and it's a lot more flexible if you download a client like TweetDeck, et cetera, to help you understand uh, how to tap into these various conversations that are going on there. Thank you very I much. Think I guess, Sean and I yep. need to get together after this, and you can <laughs> for me. 
I think so, too. But the one hashtag we love the most here on SAP Game Changers Radio is hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O, because that's where we aggregate all the comments. And again, a shout out. We have Mandy Lynn at SAP and Matt Small, who's sponsoring this this series, uh, tweeting their tootsies off, I like to say, at hashtag SAP Radio. So you go, oh, lots of photos, images. We've got cloud. We've got all kinds of notes here from Mandy Lynn and people sitting in front of computers. Uh, we've got a quote here from Carmen Kruger, ephemeral world of the cloud. It looks like it's scratched on some some kind of papyrus uh, from Andy Lynn. Carmen, I don't know if you're writing on papyrus paper these days, but lo- this looks very, very official and very governmental. So with that note, I'm going to give my panelists a break. Sean P. McCarthy at IDC Government Insights, Carmen Kruger at SAP National Security and Services, Liz McGowan at SAP Global Public Services Industries. And when you come back, we are going to tackle our predictions round called the crystal ball so sean you'll be up first i'll give you probably two minutes on the clock and ask you can you fast forward to the year 2020 or any day minute time or a second you choose i had a guest on this morning show who said i think august 19th 2017 at 5 43 a.m that was his prediction nobody's ever done that to me but i guess i deserved it so we'll be right back don't even think of touching that mouse that app oh you know what the drill is brad out business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network sap co-innovating alongside customers is taking its industry specific solutions into the cloud join us to learn how to make the world run simpler in the cloud without missing a beat it's a tall order Industry Cloud Trends with Game Changers brings together the people who are making it happen. We'll delve into very specific industry challenges and also solutions that run across disparate industries, all to help you succeed in your mission. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how business leaders can shape the future of change. Industry Cloud Trends with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. You're listening to Industry Cloud Trends with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show using Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Industry Cloud Trends with Game Changers. Here we are, wrapping episode one up of our brand new series. Our topic is governing in the cloud, ready for takeoff. We're going to ask our panelists to fast forward to the year 2020 or any time in the future. Could be three minutes from now. I don't know what they see in the crystal ball, but I'd also like them to answer the question, is government ready for takeoff in the cloud? So first up, Sean P. McCarthy. Sean, two minutes, predictions, go. All righty. Well, we've all talked about the Internet of Things and how it's rapidly expanding and uh, obviously, at, at some point, it's going to get down to you know every light switch, every pen, pair of glasses, etc. And this is going to create a flood of new devices and a flood of new data. And often, the applications happen after the data. We have it. What do we do with it? So I think by 2020, we're going to have a, a wealth of new applications to deal with sets of data and types of data that we don't even know that uh, we'll be able to collect yet. So that's kind of coming down, and it's all, all will be built around the, the Internet of Things. 
closely associated with that will be mobile devices, the expansion of them. I'm not sure we're ever going to have you know everybody wearing a pair of glasses, Google, Google glasses, you know, Oculus Rift type of things, because uh, you know it, it ends up getting in the way, I think, of what you're trying to do out there in real life. But having some sort of mobile device where you can tap into these new data sources is going to become increasingly important. And associated with that, we certainly still have to solve the security problems, which are only getting worse. And, you know, there's going to have to be a lot of new of encryption, uh, excuse me, encryption ways to sign on to that, uh, you know, three-form identification in order to uh, sign on. And all of those things are going to have an impact on us over the next five years. Thank you very much. Good predictions from Sean, McCar- Sean P. McCarthy, the one and only, I hope. <laughs> don't worry about the Car- <laughs> Well, we might have to add a two or three after the name. I don't know. I worry about the D for me. I worry about the P for you. Okay, Carmen Kruger, <laughs> predictions, two minutes. What do you see coming on the horizon, Carmen? I call it the matrix of the cloud. If you remember the movie The Matrix, a sort of shared mm-hmm. consciousness that will happen at an electronic or a level. But, but in, in seriousness, I, I think that we will evolve the cloud into a much more, um, you know, aware network uh, that will responsibly address, to Sean's point, the cyber concerns that we have associated with the data in the cloud and will allow us to more precisely address that whether it be advanced tools in, um, in the uh, detection of threats, um, the proactive elimination of threats, or, in addition, the ability for us to have more dedicated capabilities of point-to-point transfer of data. So as the technology uh, advances and our um, knowledge of the cloud advances, we are going to get better and better at determining the type of cloud and advancing that type of cloud from a technology perspective. And there's no doubt that in 2020 there will be a new set of threats, uh, agree with Sean, with an absolute new set of tools available to us to meet those uh, threats. Thank you very much, Liz McGowan. We have a little extra time here. I hope you take your full two minutes. We don't have to go short for you. So talk to me. What do you see in the crystal ball, Liz? Uh, Thanks, Bonnie. And I I think it's hard to predict. Uh, I think any one of us that would have been having the conversation about cloud uh, five years ago would probably have expected, to be honest, governments to be further along than they are. Uh, Having said that, though, it's my perception, I think, collectively, many people's perception that there's uh, governments are moving uh, along in, in a fairly accelerated rate, as, as Carmen indicated. Uh, there, there's, some, there's some inflection points um, that, that are happening where uh, policies have been established at, at the federal level uh, that are starting to be consumed uh, at, at other levels. Uh, if you look at the UK, UKG cloud, Australia, um, they've, they've gone their first um, reconnaissance mission, if you will, out. Uh, they've established some rules and regulations, uh, and now they're going to take a, a, a more informed approach, and, and other governments that are following in, in a second wave are taking advantage of that. So I believe that in 2020, we will actually see that um, major governments around the world and potentially collective like the EU will have established their policies and legislation, um, have established vendors and and uh, and cloud providers um, up and running and and that there will be a fairly open and accelerated consumption of solutions uh, from from the community at large and with that the the co-innovation and development so I, I 
like to very much fast forward to 2020 because I think that that will be um, will be immersed in cloud at that point in time. It's a little bit of a toe in the water in in, in a lot of governments around the world right now, and I think that's just going to get. Um, to a point in 2020 where it will will be really immersed and and on-premise will be a thing of the past. Thank you very much, Liz McGowan. A quick question. We've got an extra, oh, about 30 seconds here. Quick question for all three panelists, please, starting with Sean P. McCarthy, then Carmen Kruger, then Liz McGowan. My question is, will this innovation and the cloud co-innovation, the Office of the Citizen, all the good stuff we've been talking about today, will this encourage citizens to have a little more faith in government, want to be a little friendlier to government, encourage younger people to want to be involved in jobs for government? Uh, I need an all or yes or a yes or a no because we don't have time for anything else. Sean? All of the above, some of the uh, above, Sean? I'm going to say yes, but potentially. Okay. And Carmen Kruger, yes, no, maybe? Yes. You oh, yes good. Good. And Liz McGowan? Yes, absolutely. Good. Glad I asked a quick question. There you go. Guess what? I have my predictions. Got to hurry them up. Tomorrow is Wednesday. We'll be back with our flagship show, Coffee Break with Game Changers, 11 a.m. Eastern in the afternoon. I'll be back at 3 p.m. Eastern with the Customer Edge with Game Changers. Thursday morning at 10 a.m., I'll be back with Innovating Innovation with Game Changers. Next Tuesday, we start all over again with our 10 a.m. series, Transforming Your Business with Game Changers. And next Tuesday at noon Eastern, we'll be debuting yet another Another, the fourth of our five brand new series called Business Innovation with Game Changers. Special shout out to my wonderful panelist, Sean P. McCarthy. Thank you, Carmen Kruger. Thank you, Liz McGowan. Thank you. Thank you to Matt Small and Mandy Lynn at SAP for phenomenal tweeting during the show. Wait till my panelists see all the words of wisdom you said on the air. You may not even remember. They're captured for posterity at hashtag SAP Radio. Thank you to Brad and the Business Channel team. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and here's my call to action. You know what it is, but here's a reminder. Fasten your seat. Seatbelt, what are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. See you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Industry Cloud Trends with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie B. Graham again Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.